0: So thank you again for tuning into this podcast, uh, Time for Emerging Markets, uh, Do Us Within Emerging Markets. I'm the host, uh, Jacob Fotton, and I'm so excited and honored to have Heather Beam here with us today, incredibly uh, amazing person. Um, she's a MIT graduate in Mechanical and Ocean Engineering class of 2015. Um, and also the founder and CEO of Practical Education Network. And I'm so pleased to have her here. Um, Heather, um, welcome and how are you doing?
1: Thank you, Jacob. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So let's get into it. Um, Just please tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
1: My name is Heather. I grew up in the US studied mechanical engineering throughout university and graduate school and then ended up developing an interest and passion for STEM education and helping more students get access to practical hands-on. Education. Interest led me to move to Ghana about five years ago and in that time I've, I've been based here in Accra and leading an, an, a nonprofit. Seeking to enable children across the continent to get to experience hands-on learning.
0: That's amazing. Um, so you just mentioned briefly, um, you um, you know, you went to MIT, MIT, and you did engineering. So how was, how did that shape you into, you know, getting into the space, like into the education space? And can you just give us a little bit about like the background and how that tran- how that transition was like?
1: Yes. So as I said, I studied mechanical engineering and ended up going to MIT for graduate school. And while I was there, I found myself really immersed in this environment that celebrated hands-on practical learning. You know, it felt like everybody I talked to was working on a project. They were building a robot or whatever thing here and there (laughs) that that they could dream up. And so I, I, I really got drawn into that whole ethos of project-based learning and, and hands-on experiences And you know as a mechanical engineer, it's something that, that I personally experienced as helpful in order to yes. learn the subjects. Yes. And so while I was there I just I just started developing this question in my mind of you know how can more students get, get access to this kind of Environments because exactly. it's, it's power, powerful to be mm-hmm. immersed um, in an environment that really celebrates hands on learning. And so, being, being both in that environment and then also being, um, you know, having a lot of opportunities available at MIT to listen to entrepreneurs, to go to seminars, to sign up for workshops and programs <laughs> and classes. And hear about entrepreneurship. These these two things kind of merged together for me over time into a desire that, into a desire to also go out myself and do something in the world, in in this line of education work.
0: Amazing, amazing! And going into the world, uh, why did you pick Ghana of all places? I know Africa has some really amazing <laughs> countries. I'm from Cameroon. Uh, West I Africa, <laughs> you know I, I hope I wish you could take uh, Cameroon because I the totally work okay. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exactly the work you've been doing is incredible. so so why Ghana?
1: <laughs> I hope <laughs> we'll make it to K- Cameroon someday.
0: I hope so too.
1: Yeah, well, Ghana ended up being the easiest place for yeah. for me and some other students who were involved to to start conversations. With, with schools and interested stakeholders. So basically that's that's why we ended up in Ghana. Um, MIT has a program called D-Lab that your listeners may or may not be familiar with. And they've been sending students to work on development projects in Ghana for some years. So through them, it was easier to get in touch with, with people. And also Ghana is generally quite friendly to foreigners. It's a stable country politically and and it's a safe place. So a lot of things just kind of made sense as a, for it to be a starting point. But as I said, I hope that this (laughs) work can extend to other countries soon.
0: No, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, I think from general perception to an African, um, I think Ghana is a a good, has a very, you you know, to reiterate what you said, it's a very good place to start as an entrepreneur, especially um, if you're coming from the outside. Uh, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you, can you share a little bit about uh, the MIT D-Lab? Because I'm guessing some people might not uh, know a little bit, uh, know much about the D-Lab. If you can just give like a, just a brief um, understanding what the D-Lab is.
1: Yeah, so D-Lab at MIT is a program that started about 20 years ago now, I believe. And it's a, it's a set of classes and now research projects and other initiatives all centered around supporting students to learn how to meaningfully engage with communities in other countries around the world and usually rural communities um, that can benefit from various develop, developmental things around sanitation, health, water, etc so they, they've attracted a lot of students to their programs and I, I was one of them that got excited about you yeah. know applying myself as an engineer to solve problems that would affect people in a very direct way
0: exactly exactly I mean I've been lucky to I think I attended like the 10th the 10th, the 10th anniversary something like that uh, I think it was like twenty sixteen or 2017 and just, you know, I was open to non-MIT students as well. So I was really fortunate to see the work that the has been doing and uh, incredible entrepreneurs that they support. And I think it's, they're doing some amazing work. It's Pretty incredible. Um, can you share a little bit about now, Practical Education Network, what you guys have been doing, what has your vision has been, and, you know, kind of give us an update of where you guys are at the moment.
1: Yeah, so for us at, at Penn, our mission is to enable every African child to learn by doing. Yeah. The current status quo is that majority of, of students who become the majority of adults in Ghana and many other neighboring countries, um, their regular experience as they go through school is one that's marked by rote memorization and this means that students are bored in class <laughs> they're not they're not really actually learning much in depth yeah. and it's just so easy to forget whatever you've learned and yeah. so the the implications of that are quite far reaching you know it means that you you have a, a workforce coming out of the education system that doesn't have that doesn't see themselves as, as part of the solution, right? It's okay. it's and okay. so, yeah, so our vision is is to build, to contribute to the building of a generation of young people who have that problem-solving mindsets and have the technical skills that they need to sustainably transform and develop the economy. Um, okay. And so we're, we're trying to tackle that from the, Foundational level. Mm-hmm. So we're starting with, or we're working with the, what they're called here, basic schools. So, you know, primary and middle schools.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're trying to help classrooms at that young level become a place where students get to regularly engage in practical work, in projects, in experiments, and hands on activities. And through those experiences, they will become engaged in their learning. They will gain real uh, understanding of STEM concepts, and then they'll even have practice building things, solving problems, which are essential pieces of their of their toolkit, so to speak, to go out into the world and and you know solve solve problems. Yeah,
0: I I, I can incredibly like relate to like the regurgitation of just like information um like primary school and you know um, uh, you know, right up to high school, which is I think the, the Cameroon Anglophone education is similar to Ghanaian. It was just like regurgitation of information and I wish I could have signed up for penn if Penn was in in Cameroon at that time so I could actually you know do some really practical stuff. Um, that's that's incredible. Um, I, I do think like uh, the value creation you know the impact will be seen. For a very long term, and I, and I do appreciate the fact that you took, you, you took that MIT practicality and I applied it to your company, uh, Pen. So that's just, that's just that's very incredible. Just now going out to like the, the kind of the boring stuff. Like, how is it like starting a business in Ghana? It might not be boring because I'm guessing. I'm guessing. <laughs> So how was it like when you went there? How was the process? I think some of our listeners might be curious, as someone who has done it and has, you know, is running a, um, this education company there, what was it like getting there the first time interacting with government officials, uh, trying to register the company, trying to find your first uh, employees? If you can just please share a little bit about that. Uh, I'm sure some listeners are appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I, I've learned a lot by by experience, just as we are trying to promote learning by doing. I think there's been a lot that I've learned, so I don't know that necessarily the exact steps that I experienced are the ones everybody else should also go through, but so when I was, yeah, when I was starting out, I... I was see like the very beginning. I was seeing this as more of like a movement, you know, something that would get cultivated at the grassroots level and then kind of organically grow from there. And I think we were we were actually able to achieve that to a large degree. Um, Early on, we were just out of the gate, basically. I and some other um, key people on the ground here who came on board. You know, we were training hundreds and then thousands of teachers within a short time frame. <laughs> so um, to, to answer your question, basically starting out, I was able to identify a few science teachers here who were really excited about the work that uh, Penn was, was trying to promote, and they came on board as, as volunteers early on, and they were really key in helping open doors with district offices regional education offices you know booking venues getting the word out there and they were they were really instrumental um, mm-hmm. then over the course of, of a few years I, I slowly realized that although we had this great success with getting volunteers and and getting teachers really excited and even you know spreading the word out there themselves events to be structured and <laughs> That is when um, I started really getting serious about all of the other pieces that you just described, like registering, setting up a board, hiring employees, getting an office space. Um, so, yeah, I think those those things were not so easy to figure out because information isn't so easy easily accessible here. <laughs> yes. You know, you usually have to go and, and wait around at various offices to figure out what's going <laughs> on. And then at the end of the day you realize you have another office to go to. <laughs> yes. But um, thank- yeah thankfully I could with some other local entrepreneurs and uh, we I was working out of a co-working space for a couple of years at the beginning. And so through them I, I was able to get a lot of insight on which buildings to go to and which papers to fill out. Yeah, but it wasn't too obvious uh, just coming in.
0: Definitely, definitely. It it takes like a combination of just a very good solid local network. I I, I guess maybe just, um, I mean, the information is not obvious, right, you know, you have to really dig in and hopefully meet the right person, right local at the right time, such that you you can actually get the right information and right process. Yeah. it's an uh, interesting press. Thanks for being resilient and <laughs> staying and <I'm> staying on <laughs> course. So, just going to the next uh, question, I wish uh, get your thoughts on how did language and culture uh, impact your, um, you know, you know, building this movement as as you as you described earlier, and how do you think that has uh, some level? Let me say, How does that help kind of build? Um, add out the mission that you want to achieve, uh, understand the essence of culture and language and and how do you think that will shape penn moving forward
1: hmm. Yeah I think even from the beginning, recognizing the importance of culture has has been part of what I've tried the organization to achieve Yeah so we're working in in stem education and if you look online there are a ton of resources available for stem education out there in fact um you know one of the initial ideas that was being thrown around there for Penn was just to kind of like make a website where all of these this plethora of resources could Mm -hmm. be made available for teachers here to see yes but quickly it became obvious that you know just directing people to a website where things look unfamiliar and all that is not really an effective way of transforming uh, behavior. So early on, um, the importance of creating content that is locally relevant, that it uses local materials, has been a key part of our our approach at Penn. So we help teachers do hands-on activities, but 100% 100% of the materials we use are things that they can find in their town, in their village, at a small kiosk or markets, you know, really simple things like straws and bottle tops and toothpicks, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, and yeah, it's, it's not only, you know, helpful for them to actually be able to do the things compared to what they would maybe find online if they Google for something but it also you know, highlights the value of what's available here, um, which I think you know, hits at something deeper that there's this sense that's, oh, we have to wait for things to come from a foreign country in order for us to get what we need and to do good things in education. But we're also highlighting the immense value of, of what can be uh, procured locally and how yep. that can actually have a transformative effect on students.
0: Definitely, definitely. I mean, even the last time uh, you did present, that um, uh, was fortunate to, to watch you present at MIT. I think I, I got a sense that you really appreciated and you valued deeply the culture of, of, of the Ghanaians and those similar um, um, uh, process of integration, how you wanted to develop the program, especially for them to use things that they already have at hand. Um, in order to build the uh, practical knowledge that, um, the practical education that your, your platform is about. So really appreciate that. I think you have been thinking about that from from the very beginning. Um, so what's what's the future plan of, of uh, you know, we mentioned, you mentioned, uh, hopefully you might be in Cameroon. What's, what's the, um, <laughs> what are you thinking now in terms of like, maybe scaling or maybe if you want to, um, you know maybe vertical integration or horizontal integration what's your what are the, What are some of your thoughts you don't have to share all the the patented information but if we're going to share
1: <laughs> well <laughs> one, one, one thing I've learned is that's the, the line of work we're in is is a very complex and challenging one so I I wish I wish anybody good luck if if someone is listening to this <laughs> thinks they can just take the ideas and run with it. It's, it's not an easy path ahead. Um, So a couple of things in terms of reach, we we've trained about 3,500 Ghanaian teachers now um, across more than 60 districts of the country. And there are about 250 districts. Um, So in the next five years, we want to extend our reach across the entire nation and have reached Virtually all of of this, of the science teachers at the pretertiary level in Ghana, um, so that's that's a, still a substantial step above where we've gotten to, but that's that's the goal that we have in terms of reach, and then also to to be able to pilot in at least two other African countries and, and most likely West African countries. So you can put your bid in for Cameroon. <laughs> <When laughs> I'll strongly you know,
0: advocate. I'll strongly advocate for Cameroon. I think we do need practical education network in Cameroon and being being a a product of that education system. um, And I think there'll be an easy integration and especially the English speaking side of Mm. Cameroon.
1: That
0: makes makes sense. Mm. Um, So um, just to go into, I think this question is more about like your leadership uh, skills and how you built your team. How was it like um, selecting the people to become, um, selecting the members who are the core team members for of you of practical education. And what was your thought process like, or what was your, um, if I might say a checklist and finding people that, will, that you believed believe in the cause, the mission and were willing to build this platform with you?
1: Well, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about that process <laughs> to be honest, because as I said, um, the beginning we i was i was leveraging a lot of really passionate volunteers or Mm part-time staff and that was really effective at you know um pushing the grassroots movement and i'm i think i'm now in the last let's say two years been really Mm -hmm. looking at building out the full-time staff capacity so Mm -hmm. in terms of process so in my i've interviewed so many people at this point we have um thankfully we have about we've doubled in team size each of the last two years so now there are eight full-time staff working with me and so i've interviewed a lot of people basically there are a lot of people out there in the system who are talented smart and a lot of people who are excited about making a transformation in the education system here so it's, it's just been kind of a matter of being able to put the job description down clearly, being able to articulate what is it that really needs a person overseeing and then uh, getting the word out there. And then time after time, will be hundreds of people <laughs> putting their application in.
0: Definitely. That, no, that, that makes sense. Uh, I think it's a learning process, I, I guess, especially in that and apply you know, in, a, in a country like Ghana and just you know it's a different a different way of way things have been approached and uh, how people view jobs and how people view entrepreneurship might be different um, just shifting gears a little bit um, how is uh, the I may say how how is there any any form of partnerships with the local governments to drive the mission of Penn uh, do you find that As a positive or do you do you find that as a very collaborative um, interactions and um, how you know just how what has been the reception of your program uh, from the local level from the local governments you're scaling and building pen
1: Right so. About seventy percent of the teachers we've worked with are from public schools, and anytime we work with a public school, we have we have to work through the government offices. Usually, the district office, sometimes the regional office as well. So, the partnership has been successful in in enabling us to reach the teachers that we have reached. So, we, we've had um, great reception from. Most stakeholders, um, the challenges are more just in working through the bureaucracy, you know, having to push papers here and there, and it just takes a long time to do something seemingly simple, but (laughs) stakeholders are very, stakeholders are generally quite excited about what we're doing because, you know, science, science is one of the subjects that students usually score poorly in, Mm -hmm. and there just really aren't many other interventions in the system here in Ghana to, to help improve the quality of, of science education. So, yeah.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Um, and just, and it sounds like, you know, you, you have had, uh, you know, building where you've, you've built, um, I'm, I'm guessing you have been mentored or, you know, you've had the, uh, opportunity to, you know, be exposed to people that maybe guided you to where you are. If you can please share a little bit about the people that inspired you, who has been your role models growing up, um, and how you view mentorship uh, in general. Uh, I think some of our listeners will, I guess all of our listeners will love to hear about that.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I think I can point to people at different stages of my life. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, at different stages of my life, there have been different people that I've either looked up to or sometimes had as an official mentor, but usually more just someone that I, uh, that inspires me. So um, yeah, I mean, get it, getting involved in this, this line of work in the first place, the, the folks at D-Lab, uh, the founder, Amy Smith, is somebody um, who, who inspired me. I got set up through with formal mentors through some of the programs that supported Penn at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, since, since then, I mean, I've been in Ghana for about five years now. So the <laughs> kinds of people who fit in that capacity for me are Ghanaians, either entrepreneurs or um, academics, I guess, are the, the two categories. So yeah, I'm thankful I have a few people that are either officially in a mentorship capacity or even mm-hmm. on our board. Board of Directors, I think each person that's on our board of directors is someone who I also consider a, a personal mentor. Definitely,
0: definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. No, thanks so much for sharing that. I think sometimes people view mentorship in different ways, but you know, but I do think that mentors are different. You know, at different stages in your entrepreneurial endeavor, you meet different people, uh, fill in different roles, and you can have multiple at the same time uh, that achieve different, um, you know, that they are designed uh, in a very mutually beneficial way to help support you in different areas of your life. So, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, for those who are trying to go to Ghana to start a business, what what's the advice you would share with them? Um, uh, um, beyond the nice weather and you know the <laughs> and the good soccer team, what what are other things that you love to share with uh, you know yeah, young get ready parent. to eat spicy food. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was mine. My... <laughs> any anything you'd love to share with them.
1: Sure, I think I, I would say, try to identify people in the sector you're interested in working in who, mm-hmm. who really gets get whatever it is that you're trying to do, who really are on the same wavelength, so to speak, with you about the work you're interested in doing and latch onto them and talk a lot with them your assumptions just go into if you're coming into Ghana or any other you know similar country as a foreigner just be be ready to change your mind about things (laughs) you should think of everything as an assumption and Mm. that you are probably wrong about things that you assume right Mm. now so Mm. if you come in with with that kind of flex flexibility as a mindset then I think you you can achieve a lot, and then again, you know, connecting with local local folks.
0: Definitely, I have two last questions. The first uh, last bit one is: if are you currently hiring? Are you currently looking for investments? I think this one of this purpose of this platform is to share some exciting stuff that you might have, and you may be willing to invite new folks, partners, and um, hopefully people that are willing to support. It doesn't necessarily have to be investors or employees. You're looking for, but just allies that might be of value to what you're building?
1: Yeah. Well, with COVID, just as with many other programs, it has challenged us to shift our programming online, yeah. which was actually something that was not in our plans, <laughs> in, in our strategic plan for, for the few years ahead, because our, our work is very hands-on, we have internet connectivity challenges here. So it's, it's, it's really challenging, but we, we've gone there. We've, we've pushed the bound, our own boundaries and we've been able to do a pilot online training last, uh, last year with about 100 teachers. Mm-hmm. And so right now that's, that's our core focus is refining that, building it out. And then uh, once COVID gets a, a bit more under control, looking at blending the online component with the in-person component in an optimal way. So if there are people who are interested in joining us in some capacity um, to enable that, that would be very welcome. We're excited about how that will enable us to reach scale much more quickly than we would have been able to otherwise.
0: Awesome, awesome. And they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, right?
1: Um, Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Heather Beam, or you can look up Practical Education Network on social media. You can find us on all the platforms. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I'll include all of that in the link on the podcast as well. So you'll be able to get that as well. And the last question what's your favorite Ghanaian food? Don't say Ghanaian jollof. Uh oh. No, go ahead.
1: Jalap <laughs> um, is good, but my favorite is fufu oh. with light soup.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So thank you so much for being here, Heather Beam. Uh, Heather Beam is the founder and CEO of Practical Education Network, and uh, it's such an honor to have you. Um, Best of luck with everything, and hopefully, you'll come back on the podcast with some exciting news maybe in the coming months or um, sometime in the future. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks.